Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. The film that was a blood pressure test. Oh, he said, look at this. <laughs> I didn't do that. That was Andy. I didn't do that. Ah, there it is. That's classic. How do we me. do this again? Uh, here we go. The film board gathers. The gang of thugs is back to take on a film currently in theaters. And this week, we're taking on every parent's dream, the Model 3 generative android murder robot we know lovingly 
as Megan. Katie, you lost your parents. Welcome home. You're my niece. I'm gonna do everything I can to make this place feel like home. Just wish I could see them again. I'm not equipped to handle this. I don't even take care of my own plants. I have this project at work. Do you wanna see? Yes. Ever since I was little, I dreamed of this perfect toy that would protect a kid from ever feeling lonely or sad. This is Megan. Hi, Megan. I'm Katie. It's nice to meet you, Katie. Do you want to hang out? Okay. Megan, your goal is to protect Katie from harm, both physical and emotional. Is that a doll? Model 3 generative android. Megan, for short. I can't believe you made this. I love it. Wanna hang out, yeah, sounds like fun. Great job. It's nice to have a friend. It's honestly like she's part of the family now. They could be building emotional connections that are too hard to untangle. She's the happiest she's been since her parents died. Eat the toppings, Katie. Research shows if you force a child to eat vegetables, they'll be less likely to choose those foods as adults. Is that so? Yes. Experts say... Megan, turn off. I thought we were having a conversation. I'm Pete Wright, but I'm not the only one who made it safely out of the lab. Heading round the room, we have a man wrestling with his own inner murder robot, the once and future king, Steve Sarmento. Do you want to play a game? That's oh. the wrong robot movie. <laughs> Your eyes, the ears, and outstanding jawline of murder bots everywhere. It's Justin J.J. Yeager. Tasty. Tasty, tasty jawline. <laughs> the man who wrote the rules of robotics for this show indicating we're all going to die questionably, Andy Nelson. I am my own perpetual pet. <laughs> and six feet of silicon and regret, it's Tommy Metz third. Hello, handsome. Do you want to play? Oh, shoot. Someone already said that. <laughs> All right, everybody. It's the film board. We're back. It's really nice to be back and see you all. I love the fact that we actually get to have a little bit of optimism about movies that are coming out in the theaters and our ability to go see them. That's kind of refreshing. Uh, what was what was your experience of seeing this particular movie in the theater? Uh, do you want to do you want to share? Tom, you yeah. look excited about it. JJ, sure, go for I it. I saw it in a theater that was indoors and I saw it with two friends and we've started a horror movie club, a guy named David and a guy named Aaron. And we both, we all sort of bonded about horror. And so we go see them and then have a drink afterwards and sort of dissect the entire thing. And so I saw it in the regal Sherman Oaks or the Shokes as no one calls it. Um, and it was very incredibly loud and it was very Megany. So yeah, everybody knows you don't have other movie friends besides us, but that's great. JJ, nope. what was yours like? Well, you know, I think it's awesome that uh, that, that we talk about it in terms of horror because I, you know, the film board coming back, I've turned over a new leaf. I'm examining horror films in my life in a way that I haven't before. I'm finding great films that exist in the horror genre because right. I was always too darn scared to see it. So following I never would have seen following yeah. Captain Pete's footsteps in a certain way of course, right Pete, of course yeah, both big of turn, you have gone turn. through in a normal yeah so many i leaves. mean there's leaves everywhere 
you guys made me see it. You guys made, you know, there was audience comments that, 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 that shamed me into seeing The Shining. There was lots of different things. That was when we did Ready Player One and they were like, how can you be on a mod- movie podcast and have never seen The Shining? <laughs> the Shining. That actually came through us for feedback. But so, so now I'm seeing some of these and I'm seeing some good ones. Um, all of that being said, um, I don't think you can call this a horror movie. I think you uh, say horror in quotes. Right. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> generous um, air quotes. This movie for me was more like a meme. The whole thing was like an extended meme and it was playful and funny. And there were a few startling moments. Um, and I don't regret seeing it, but, uh, you know, Megan. It was very Megany. I think Tommy hit it right on the head. So Megany. All right, that's actually really interesting. And the, the reason I'm glad you guys uh, were talking about your experience because we saw it uh, together, Andy, Steve, and myself. We saw oh, it together in Arizona right. in uh, the Harkins freezer, which is a thing. It's the secret hidden shh, don't tell anybody theater that's hidden behind the big freezer door, and it was an extraordinary movie going experience. But Part of the reason it was so great and I think successful for me, and I'm curious what you guys think, Andy and Steve, that because we were seeing it with a, an audience of our own, we were all friends and we were there were it was just audibly sort of raucously funny at at many points in this movie. And I think in that regard, seeing it with a with you know, kind of kindred spirits, people we weren't sort of afraid to laugh out loud about and disrupt a little bit during the movie, I think made it an a, a maybe a better experience for for us going forward. Andy, Steve, you guys have thoughts? Can I jump in really, really quick? My apologies. Sure. I saw mm-hmm. it with two friends, but then in the theater of Strangers, and when she started singing Titanium, everyone <laughs> laughed. Yeah, but not like in a derisive laugh of like right. we're all in this together laughing. So I don't yeah. think you need to be necessarily in a theater with like-minded people, sure. or you don't need to be with actual friends. I'm, my apologies. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, no, I think that's a good point. I mean, it, it was fantastic being in a little theater that was just all of us, where we could kind of share in it and kind of I don't know. It was just it was it felt very kind of mutual laughs, and we there were jokes that we all kind of knew we were getting it with because of certain things that, uh, that we connected with. But uh, to your point, it is very much a film that I think is just going to be better no matter what seeing it with a, th- with a theater full of people, because there are all of those little moments that really just stand out. And it just, it, it feels so enjoyable to be in a room of other people who are just all laughing at something like when she starts singing titanium or something like that. Mm hmm. Titanium, all the commercial bits, mm-hmm. the the sort of corporate hierarchy stuff, I thought was very funny. Steve, what was yep. your turn? Well, I I think yes, it is helpful to see it in a with a group of people. But I think what made our experience a little bit unique was we all had the same cultural touchstones. So it was almost like watching or being part of a mystery science theater three thousand because Kyle was sitting in front of me, and at one point late in the movie, he goes, "Ah, Chekhov's robot," and I was like, "Yes, I get that <laughs> reference." So we had all of those things. That was Bruce, right? Yes. All of those things that uh, we were laughing at the same thing. So there was, yes, feeling emotions together, but having those comments that would sort of burble up a little bit amongst each other that we could all relate to. You know, there was there was a little bit of chit chat, like you're watching it in somebody's living room with the biggest screen ever. So you you can have those quick, casual conversations without worrying about the guy behind you getting upset that you're talking during the movie. 
Well, and I think that's that's one of the reasons I'm so excited to be talking about it, because it was such a shared experience, which is exactly what sort of we wanted out of this show originally when we started it, you know, 12 years ago, and uh, how much fun it is to be opening with this movie that works kind of well in that kindred spirit of, mm-hmm. of sharing the experience. I think it, it works really, really well. So let's talk about the movie. Uh, a robotics engineer at a toy company builds a lifelike doll that begins to take on a life of its own. That's Megan, the Model 3 generative android. Three uh, and it, it ends up being, I think, a movie that is as much about uh, this robot and the experience of making this robot and making the robot bond with this character, this kid as a movie about loss and grief and uh, regret and a little bit of technophobia. Don't get me started on Kimmy. This one does it better. Uh, and uh, also maybe a TikTok dance uh, or so. <laughs> I, Tom opened his note. He added to our notes and he opened. And so uh, I'm going to give him the floor to explain his thoughts on script threads that were dropped in post. Here are some thoughts that I had, and they are a little more difficult than than maybe I originally wrote them. Number one, the one out of the gate, because I am a TikTok person, I do not post on TikTok, but I do look at TikTok things in part because of my work with young storytellers and all of those kids, all of those fifth graders, everything comes from TikTok. So to not be on that or to not know what reference or what hitting the woe is way back in the day or all of that is uh, kind of impossible. Um, I was really disappointed that Megan's viral dance, which was the key point of why this movie tracked on TikTok so much. Her weird, fluid dance came out of nowhere. I thought that was a real shame. That was such when a... When you say came out of nowhere, you did you miss the reference earlier on when they were doing it together? Well, they weren't really, though, just leaning back and forth. It was in the montage. Was in the I know montage. it was in the montage, yes. but it was just the two of them, and just leaning back and forth isn't yeah. enough for me. Oh, I agree with you. I agree that it wasn't enough. But to say it came out of nowhere, I think that was the point is that. Well, it came out of nowhere at a level of importance, perhaps. Right. Yeah, Yeah, I would agree. Right. I would have loved it because it is um, a very empowering dance. It's very fluid. It's very cool. It's very interesting. And it makes her seem like for just doing a dance seem very in control and she does it in front of the company owner uh the guy that Mm -hmm. runs the sort of clueless guy that runs the company i desperately wanted it to be uh, a response to something i wanted it for him to be like yeah but do a catchy dance Mm -hmm. or let's make her i don't mean to be inappropriate but like let's make her a little bit sexy or something because there's something a little bit kind of fun about that dance and flirty about that dance for it to come out of nowhere just seemed like completely such a wasted it seems like they ran the camera and someone did that and they were like well we got to put that in the movie i was very disappointed (laughs) it should have been used it should have been used in a situation of him saying we need this doll mm-hmm. to do this thing and then it to come bite him in the ass yes yeah uh, as a result because that's a lot of what some of this movie is about and instead it just 
I uh, was, <laughs> I think I said this before to some of you, uh, but when the character, the guy that runs the company says, what are you doing, Megan? I said to my friend, what are you doing? <laughs> like, it's coming out of nowhere. Right. Yeah. And that was really disappointing to me. I, I, I missed that yeah. because that was just, that's what I had grown up on, on the movie was yeah. what is that going to be? And yeah. you could tell from other trailer moments it was going to lead to her grabbing the um, paper slicer mm -hmm. and stuff. And what it just turned out to just be that, it was like, oh, they just put the trailer in it. That's yeah. always going to be very disappointing to me. It's Do we, meme. that's, it, it, this was a very TikTok moment in a TikTok world. But it's also not a good one, right? Like, it's not a good TikTok moment because it's coming out at the same time, just on the heels of Red Beret Girl from Matilda, which is a dominating TikTok dance. Like, this, it, seeing these two back to back, it kind of feels like an also ran. Like, we're just trying to, now we're just trying to keep up. And of course, that's not, that's not the case, but it's, it feels like such a cheap attempt when Matilda offers some significant dance performances. Right. And to triple creep out everyone that apparently I know too much about TikTok, uh, the song that they <laughs> paired it with in TikTok is different than the one in the movie. It's Bella Porch's Dolls Kill. It's the same oh, one that the they use in, in the trailer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in the trailer, but it's not the one that's in the movie. But Dolls Kill is a much better connection. Yeah, for it across the entire thing. So, what if that was just a licensing? Oh, one hundred percent, it was. Yeah. 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 Well, I I have oh. another one. That was you got. That was your first one. I have another one that I I want to talk about that I I didn't think about at all uh, until I saw it a second time. I took my son to see it the second time, and I thought about this one. So, part of the 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 threat of the movie uh, that we've got this company, they're making this robot, and there is uh, there's an, a kind of a non-thread in this movie of corporate espionage where we have oh it's nowhere this, it's so weird yeah. right <laughs> so we have this assistant <laughs> yeah. to the president who's always there and frankly i like him i like his whole vibe he's kind of this nebbishy weird guy and he uh is he's always got the ipad and he's ready to hang out and do the ceo's bidding and it's all great and then we get a moment where he's sitting at a, a table in like the corporate dining area and he's copying files about the Megan project onto his flash drive and his boss finds him and says, are you Pornhubbing at the office again? And it feels like that entire moment was to shoehorn that joke into this movie because there is no other reference to corporate espionage besides Megan at the end when she kills him Using it as an it. alibi, right? Well, but the, th there's well, no, no Jurassic they, Park level. Uh, right. Like I'm stealing the the gene, the genetic material, and getting <laughs> right. it into the muddy jeep. Right? There is a before it, but it never pays off. Right? In right. that the uh, it, Andy, you use the word the perpetual pet. The perpetual, <laughs> that's yeah. what it is. I got yeah. it. Perpetual the, pets, yeah. the, the 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 knockoff right. that has the glowing butts like that. Yeah. <laughs> they were talking about it's the same and it's cheaper. Like this whole thing, like. They set it up, but they never pay it off. And that's the thing that is really frustrating. I agree with you, Pete. I think they did it just for that joke. And that's unfortunate. Well, I just, the, the, obviously this film was set up for a sequel. 
And I mean, we have, there's a little nod at the end that is a very much a setup mm. for something that's going to be happening. And I just couldn't help but think that because this whole corporate espionage element was so largely dropped that it is something that's going to be just an element that helps kind of create the foundation for whatever it is going to be going on in the sequel. As far as another company's version of Megan and, uh, you know, her her personality gets into it. I don't know, but I just, so I felt like... shaving cream in the mud. Yeah. Like yeah. he was saying. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. I didn't see it as such an immediate sequel. I, I liked the tag with the Siri kind of robot yeah. coming up, but that just yeah. sort of seemed like a button for me. I'm not yeah. disagreeing, but that's mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. Well, I, well just, I just feel like with this sort of film, they're always going to set it up with a button because they want there to be a sequel because sure. yeah. yeah, why not? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, JJ, as the uh, person who has turned the corner on horror movies and now yeah. wants to devour everything horror, how did Megan the Doll work for you? Yeah, I mean, I think the reason why I said in in my intro that I find it, it a startling movie. I mean, the thing that I've always disliked about horror is cheap the 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 cheap sort of jump scare for the purpose of the jump scare that is something that i've never enjoyed about scary things in the world haunted houses those kind of things and so when i feel like i'm being manipulated to be afraid that's something that i really dislike and unfortunately that really felt like the purpose of so much of what they were doing here like that is this ride right that's what they put on the sign when you approach this ride this is what you're coming to see and and now that i have a little bit of gradation to my appreciation of the genre i definitely know that i like this less than something with a whole lot more thought so the robot in and of itself i get is scary and you mentioned the idea of the technophobia and this kind of thing of moving towards ai which is definitely something that's um the current event and you know current to think about i find those things scary but it felt really shallow in terms of the scariness for me um it didn't it, i mean the difference between megan and chucky for me is very small let me tell you that in terms of dolls well i think yeah like, well there, also there was an intentional <laughs> decision i think i mean from what i've read and my timeline may be off but i thought what i read was when the tiktok dance stuff went viral they realized this is going to be a big draw for teens we're scaling it back from an r to a pg-13 so there was lots of stuff that may have been more intense that's been cut that was shot. So I'm anticipating we get the unrated version that may, you know, scenes that are switched out to be more gory, more bloody, and there may be more ominous, you know, bits to it. Because there's there's pieces where I felt like, oh, I'm surprised because it, it seemed to start to lean into some stuff and then, you know, sort of scale back. Like, I think everybody, well, maybe it's just me. But the whole confrontation with Bully Boy in the woods when he throws her on the ground, I'm like, this is getting weird and creepy. This is getting to a weird place. And then it's, you know, no, she's just, you know, whatever, rips off his ear. So I think, JJ, that maybe. That was my favorite. That was my favorite scene of the whole film. I'll just yeah, say there's that. so like you talk about it. There's an intensity I'm not looking there. for gore yeah. in those gradations. But that intensity and the potential story point that it's making there i think is interesting whereas so much of it i didn't feel i I, it felt so much more straightforward in the way it was trying to scare us and maybe you're right maybe the unrated version would delve into that a little bit more i 
I don't know that I'm going to go and seek it out, though. <laughs> I Yeah, I definitely didn't. When I found out it was PG-13, it was very late right before I saw it. And I was like, really? But I don't miss those elements. Um, and so that's a, a plus for as far as that. I, I'm sure that they were are going to release an unrated version of it. I think that's a smart move on Blumhouse's and Juan's new connection of way of doing things. It, to me, it really felt, it reminded me a lot of horror movies from the 80s where, yes, we had PG-13, but there was still, they were still categorizing horror into R, whereas now horror that's R is so much like darker and more sinister. This had a lightness about it, you know, that reminded me of the, the first one that comes that came to my mind is Wes Craven's Deadly Front because it touches on similar themes and there's there's ridiculousness in that of a robot killing a a rope a person with a basketball and it's it's gory uh, but there's there's a lightness to the touch of the storytelling versus what I see with a lot of I think the horror now especially the Blumhouse stuff which is why my wife was very reluctant to go see this is she hates the supernatural dark creepy stuff that is so sinister and ominous that you just feel dirty coming out of it whereas this is has those jump scares has some gore but overall is just a a lighthearted movie i how do you have a movie where someone's ear is getting torn off and we have a montage about remember to wash your hands after going to the bathroom you know those there's there's something about this it's it's hit a nostalgia piece for me because that's the horror i grew up with that's the horror i love and am of fond of and i want more of that because i get the the scary pieces but I don't need a super complex story. I just want to have fun. This film breaks two fairly like written in stone rules. Uh, the they kill a child mm -hmm. and they kill a dog. Mm -hmm. It's all very off screen. They yeah. uh, World War Z it, where everything yeah. seems violent, but it all actually happens right off of camera. Uh, but so that's one of the reasons of like, yeah, I don't really want the unrated version <laughs> i don't want to see the boy suffer the boy was a super creep and the dog yeah. was went from like normal to insanely not okay vicious in a second of like my fence um but um but so i wouldn't want to see more than that in those kind of things um I, I feel like uh, I, I do want to talk about the boys scene. The, the scene that we, we keep sort of dancing around is the, the uh, scene where the young girl goes to an outdoor school type camp and she's forced to leave Megan the doll in doll mode uh, sitting on the toy bench. And at one point, the, the doll leaves the toy bench. Uh, our protagonist, the girl, is in uh, Katie is in the woods. She's followed by the uh, creepy Brandon uh, young lad who starts picking on. They see Megan in the woods. Megan's there as he's picking on Katie. And what's that? Oh, it's a doll. Really? Then you won't mind if I do this. And he takes the doll away into the woods. There's a bit of a chase, and he puts the doll down and stride it gets a stride it is sitting on top straddles her of yeah. the that's the word there is a word yeah. for that he's, he he yeah. straddles the 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 uh, doll i went, i have not oh talked, no yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and i think that was the general reaction i have not talked to anybody <laughs> about that movie who did not say yeah 
that boy started taking that doll's clothes off. Like, that's yeah. what really happened. It is the creepiest of creepy that that is what we, I mean, we expect that there is a puberty exploration. It's a doll. And that's what this miscreant child is doing to that doll. We all yeah, It's a life-size Barbie. <laughs> it's a life-size Barbie. Right. We Isn't all, this where these dolls can lead? You don't want to finish that <laughs> right. sentence, but I'm, <laughs> but I'm being honest. Yes. Like we're being yes. told. That's where the future is, right. is these kind of yes. dolls for certain kind of people. And JJ that's loves what it. I think look the it, question is, you guys, I'm so curious your thoughts on this, because the movie introduces a setup where we all know where it would go in this situation, and they don't go that way, and he starts slapping the doll, and that just doesn't feel real. I'm not saying the alternative is any better at all, but I am saying that took me out of the out of the movie a little bit because it is so like rape adjacent his re response to that to what that doll is and uh it is um not it ends up not being that he's just evil he's just such a sociopath that he just wants to hurt something yeah yeah well, just I really, yeah before I, we continue this part i really loved the economical setup of his character. Oh, yes. Of one person perfect. saying, uh, you want to be teamed up with them? I don't want to be teamed up with Brandon. Oh, okay. Yeah. You don't have to. What a great economical way of like writing a quick way for everyone to be like, you know who sucks? Brandon. Well, it was also the, <laughs> I was just, I yeah. really, when, I love his interaction with his when mom, the mom, the mom said, and yeah. his interaction yeah. with his mom yeah. was, yeah. 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 <laughs> but that was a little bit more of the, funny oh, yes. version yeah. of like the the through the roof version but just one child sort of saying to a a, a a parental figure i don't really want to do it oh okay you don't have to and then cut to him being like <laughs> in the background i just really enjoyed that i didn't mean to uh deviate from what we're talking no about. it's, it's what it does so was... well i think is it it knows the genre it knows the tropes and it's able to hit those really really efficiently and you know i think you know to this whole like rape adjacent piece i mean that really gets back into sort of the main themes that pete touched on at the beginning of like what what happens when we allow technology to come in to shield us from you know grief bullying things that we have to emotionally go through to become an adult and know how to handle life and megan is this filter and shield that is continually protecting Katie from that. And it's like, yeah, there's going to be boys that are going to do, want to do things. And it's like, you have to figure out how to defend yourself. You're not always going to have a Megan to come intervene on your behalf. You're always going to have, you know, you're going to have to deal with bad emotions at some point, but Megan won't, you know, is going to protect you from that. And to me, that is why I really love that this is a PG-13 movie because that's really the audience. I mean, yes, we've got the Allison, you know, Williams character is the like, I'm a parent and I am too busy to bother with my kid. Yeah, that's one thing. But it's for me, the kids really realizing, oh, this isn't good for Katie. You know, she's going to have to do. I, yeah. I don't <sighs> want a Megan in my life. I shouldn't want a Megan in my life protecting me from these things. I'm going to become a better person when I learn to handle these things champion of the show brian has been punching in with a lot of comments and a lot of them make a lot of sense in that you know the boy that it could be puberty exploration that the kid seems like a sociopath and it seems like a power exploration 
to him. Meaning like it could be, it doesn't need to necessarily be sexual. It could be that, um, leaning, you know, uh, straddling over her and then pushing and punching and slapping and all that kind of stuff could make a lot of sense for that horrific, horrific character. And so maybe it doesn't need to be even farther. It's just an interesting, I really like Brian's point in bringing it up is all. Yeah. I yeah, think it's so, great. I think the problem is not the set piece. I think the problem is a girl whose parents were just violently killed is being forced out into the world and like, and like forced to do things that is like the set piece in and of itself is not the problem. The setup for the set piece. And you mentioned the Allison Williams character, like everything about what is happening here is just so inhuman, you know, and, and to, to really look into if the story is meant to be, PG 13 to teach kids about power dynamics and sociopathy and all these things like that's, we really have to step back and say, let's take care of people first and not force them to like try to experience life outside of their grief in ways that are totally inhuman. Like Alison Williams, I know you just lost your kids, but I'm going to run to work and you'll be fine. Right? Like, yeah. Yeah. there's so much that's unreal about this movie. That's why I called it a meme movie at the beginning. It's really just a setup for a bunch of these scary little startly situations that don't have anything to do with the way that you would really ha- handle a situation. If, but isn't there room well, but, for a real Allison yeah. Williams person just being so not able to being so consumed with her job and yeah. not understanding what a child yeah. needs? Not as a protagonist. She's not a mother. She's not. Yeah. yeah. Why not? Uh, absolutely she can be because of the collection scene because of it because how it's a it's a collection that can't be touched when the girl wants to play with it but then when the social worker shows up oh go ahead play with everything like well but she she portrayed that as if it was a challenge to her like it was a challenge for her to overcome that she was putting on a show and i felt like that was that was believable to me yeah I, i i agree i mean but it's not but she's the protagonist this is the problem she is not like these are not good things and the thing like all the things that we're focusing on here in this the the Tech, technology and all those things yes but the movie's setting it up without really taking a look at the major issues here which are at play in that there the the drama is is under the surface to facilitate a bunch of set pieces that are startly and not based on reality at all is how i felt it was really frustrating to me and like the jokes well anyway keep going. no no no. i mean i get it i just feel like there's i have one thing to respond to which i feel like one maybe i have several things to respond to i i feel like the the fact that she is a troubled protagonist, Alison Williams, is, I think, the point. And all of the challenges that she goes through are to get us to one scene. And that one scene is uh, Lydia, the uh, completely underrated psychotherapist, who <laughs> has the conversation with her about how maybe Megan, to Steve's point, is shielding from shielding Katie from actually learning to grow through grief. And that tiny scene in the middle of this movie is the point, right? I mean, that's the that's the, the point of, of that particular theme of this film. And I think we have to have Allison Williams struggling in admittedly potentially vaudevillian parenting 
kind of tropes in order to get there, right? Like right. In, in order to get to that point. And to me, that was satisfying. Andy, I'm sorry. I understand. I understand what you're bringing up. And I understand how that is an interesting issue. I think we're skipping over a multitude of other really big issues to get to those points. And that's something that I have a problem with in this film is that nobody in, in, uh, in Gemma's life through this whole thing says, why don't you just stop? Why doesn't someone just focus on this girl? You know, like they do spend a lot of time saying why she can't, but I don't, yeah. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you, JJ. I'm saying that the, the film does go into overdrive saying why she can't as far as her career is involved. But yeah, I think that's crap. If that's not enough. <laughs> well, yeah. But, but I mean, but look at it this way. This, this film is taking place over a fairly short period of time. Yeah. they like a week, right? If, if this, if we're watching a longer uh, version of this story, she's not going to get to keep custody of her for very long. She's in as a, she's in this particular situation because of things that had happened. She's not set up to be a mother. She has no idea what she's doing. I don't think there's anything wrong with that in context of the story. There are people like that. She ends up with this kid. She wants to try making it work. She thinks she has the perfect tool to make a great parent and to help this kid. And she's completely wrong. Uh, and yes, if, if the, if the, uh, the child therapist and the lawyers and everyone else got involved, they would instantly take her away and give her to, uh, to her, to the other grandparents. But that's not our story. Our story is looking at, at the, at what Allison blindly or Allison's character is blindly seeing as the solution to help this kid and she's completely wrong and then that's why we have a horror movie because mm -hmm. things go awry so who is the protagonist to you guys i mean i agree i think i think all these things make sense so who is your protagonist who are you cheering for in this movie oh megan for sure all the way to the <laughs> i wanted to kick bruce's ass too <laughs> oh i'm just glad you didn't say brandon <laughs> no i i, I <laughs> Well, he's just, you know, he's a faulty protagonist. He just, he's just yeah. working through his adolescence. He's just trying to, I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> that ear scene made me best, scream out loud in the theater. Oh my God. Yeah. That was a lot. Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, to your question though, as far as the protagonist, I mean, you could argue that it's, uh, and I'm blanking on the daughter's name or the girl's name, but like Katie? she could be Katie, Katie it could be the protagonist of our story. And I mean, she's the one who takes Megan down at the end, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. she's right. she's the one who finally has figured out, you know, how to move past all this. And you could almost look at at Allison's character as the antagonist of the story, who's who is the one who's not really here for her and is throwing things at her that are all incorrect and. And I think that's a fair way of looking at this movie. And I like that better. I like that idea better. And if they were going for that, I wish they would have went deeper into that because there's too much of making a, like somewhat. I think, Tommy, you have a comment here about um, there's some laziness in this movie about making its kills. OK, I think that is maybe a theme of why I dislike the things that I dislike about this movie is that the negativity is, is, is made to be justified in a lot of cases. You guys talk oh. about how Alison Williams, her, the Gemma character is justifying her poor parenting with mm -hmm. her career. I get it. But unfortunately as her, as the view of her as the, the antagonist, or at least the 
the point of view of what we're seeing in the story, whether she's the antagonist or not, we're led down this path of validating her choices as what mm-hmm. she's doing right. in a way that I don't particularly like. So I mm. really like what you're saying here, Andy. I would love to go that route that she is the problem. But I don't think the story did a good enough job of getting us there. And that was something that I had difficulty with. And I love the idea of Katie's character arc being she has no agency. She gets agency. Mm-hmm. She takes it down. Like, that's great. But it didn't do a good enough job of telling that story to me. And that's and that's why I think I have trouble with it. But I like what you guys are saying. Wow. Well, I think I, I think it's important to, to step back and look at Katie's change because we, we get Gemma's change, right? She's a career person, girl boss, and then she turns into a, a sort of woke parent and takes Katie away and goes, drives off in her BMW. And uh, so that's fine. But Katie, because of this technology, uh, you know, the, her like budding technology, uh, technophilia, let's say, um, it ends up going through this other kind of roller coaster. The kid who, you know, starts demonstrating these hyper effective tendencies and then eventually becomes um, aggressive to her now uh, parental sort of guardian. Uh, Steve, what's your take? You're the you're the educator here. What do you think about how Katie was able to portray this particular journey well i Good think question i i think you know to jj's point yeah if we look at it as, as katie as the protagonist you start looking at it from that perspective you start seeing i'm starting to remember all these moments where she sort of pushes back because in the beginning she's like well wait what about screen time you know it's like oh yeah. no i i don't want to go to school i was i'd learn everything at home it's like she's trying to fight for her what's her known stable lifestyle right. and and Gemma is just constantly undermining Normalcy. that. Like screen time, screw screen time, whatever you can do. This is as much as you want. Technology's your friend, and oh yeah, let's put you in with a bunch of kids you don't know. All of these things. So yeah, I think that is you know for her to step up at the end, um, you know, and say okay, you know, by destroying Megan, yes, is that a symbolic? You know, she's going to assert and take control of her life. That she's going to she's broken through all of these problems. Yeah, that's easy you know it's too easy to to write that to say it's it's that oh, she immediately right. picked up the ipad again. right no ex- 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 <laughs> exactly but i think again that's why i'm hoping you know teenagers go see this and you know maybe listen to this podcast and start thinking about what is this saying about the challenges of growing up and you know that yeah. it, you have to make the you have to go through those rough spells that's the only way you're gonna get through those things and even even megan you know <laughs> They always come back to that whole pizza thing of like, yeah, if you make kids eat, you know, force them to eat vegetables, they're less likely to choose those <laughs> options later in life. Like, yeah. What a BuzzFeed headline yes. that ended oh, up being. Exactly. Like, I, uh, <laughs> but I, I think it's, yeah, I, I, I agree with JJ. I mean, I still really enjoyed it. But yes, I see where if we'd shifted more to Katie's perspective a little bit of her seeing the battle between Megan and Gemma. Um, you know, of like, who's, you know, why are these both bad parenting options, you know, for her to see like, oh, I have, I have to be the adult in this, in this world right now, because neither of these are, are a good fit for what I need. So I'm gonna have to be my own parent. Is Megan wrong? About what? Vegetables? I don't know. (laughs) Evil? Is Megan, I just wanted to like, she's, she's programmed to protect. The error is in the programming, right? Because the interpretation is avoid all anything hurtful. 
right? So anything that's right. painful or whatever, protect her from that. That's not you. You learn, but she's truth. also, yeah. but she's also still saying like, "Hey, wash your hands." Right? Like she's not saying like everything is rainbows and lollipops. No. She's making her follow rules. Right? Is there anything interesting? I just wanted to scream this out, <laughs> just in case there was anything interesting to talk about. Of like, is she really the devil? In this well, movie. this is the thing. This is the thing, Tom. And I think that's a, actually a really good question because this movie wears, like to JJ's point, it, this movie wears so much of its messaging right on its sleeves. Yeah. And this in particular, I really <laughs> I love that this this line exists in this movie. You gave me a learning model that you could barely understand. Right. right. <laughs> Megan says that. Right. right? And that's exactly what that's, we are dealing with right that's now AI as humanity. Phobia. Right. That's yeah. exactly what it is. That's, you know, Joe Rogan interviewing Steve Jobs in a fake podcast that doesn't exist, right? That's, yep. that's what we're dealing with. We are all creating learning models that we don't understand and are incapable of understanding. And that's the point, that we're dealing with repercussions of things that we're making that we don't we can't cope with, we can't understand. We're dealing with AI text models that are allowing kids to write terrible, terrible papers that sound pretty darn good, right? Those are the things we don't know how to cope with. Chat, it's all all chatbots and unicorns. And so I I really, I I feel like the movie is, so much of this is the result of this movie existing in a horror comedy genre where, you can just float balloons and then pop them one at a time without having necessarily to think too much about the depth of the messaging because mm. at least the messaging is represented. <laughs> oh, sure. Okay. Does that make it? I the, love your the, metaphor. Yes. That's fantastic. Yeah. I no, still enjoyed myself with it. I still enjoyed I my time. Did. Well, yeah. no, and here's the thing, like for a lot of uh, the young audience who's going to be going, I mean, we went, I, I brought my 16 year old daughter and her friend who loved it. And they, you know, her friend was terrified through the entire thing. And it's the sort of horror film that they're going to watch a lot. They're going to eat up and it's going to put those thoughts into their heads. And they're going to be thinking about these things as they get older and process this film in uh, hopefully deeper ways. But at least it's that cursory level of information there. That's going to get that conversation started. I just want them to start a different conversation. That's my thing. Like this, the, what the way they used to get the, the floating of the balloons out there was, skipping some of the issues that I think were necessary. And that's mm. the thing that I'm, that, that I had but a problem with. I guess my question, JJ, is it, are, is it skipping things that are necessary for a movie like this? No, no. And that's the thing. I mean, it, it, I yeah. get that it was fun. I get that it was funny. I laughed a lot in the movie. Mm-hmm. I laughed Good. at most of it, but it just, I mean, it, I, 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 I don't think it's a good movie. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. It's entertainment. But if I had to choose, I'm never going to choose it. <laughs> I really never. Because everyone online talks about how much fun the Titanium song mm-hmm. part yeah. is. I just really hope that it's not the case where the director's like, yeah, that was really funny. <laughs> that was when, when we wrote that. I was like, everyone's gonna really think, crack up. 
<laughs> well, you know, you know what it made me think of? It made me think of our friend Chris, Pete, Tommy, my friend Chris, who taught me yeah. how to laugh at improv comedy because I always had a tough time going to see improv because I was always yeah. worried about the people on stage. And I was like, oh, that really didn't hit. And what Chris learned to do and taught me to do is in the audience to laugh at how bad it is. And to really enjoy that because they don't know on stage and they just hear you laughing and they love it and they go and all that stuff. When the time might actually song, improve things. They're, if timing, you laugh they're timing yeah. their jokes on your laughs, right. even and though so, you're not really enjoying it. When the titanium thing came up, <laughs> I was like, what? This is yeah. terrible. And I laughed in that laugh for me. Yeah. So I agree with you. I hope they don't go, wait, this is funny. It's no. ridiculous. Right. Well, now Honestly, wait a minute. I want to make sure that I laugh for the right reason. I well, think I laugh for the same reason you, <laughs> you did. Am you, I like you should laugh I for whatever laugh reason genuinely? you want to laugh at? I <laughs> laughed. I laughed, and you don't need to know what my laugh is about. <laughs> you can just be with the you know the improv people on stage and think it's funny. But but my number one comment when I left this movie was, "It's ridiculous. This movie right. is ridiculous." And well, that, and there isn't that's it, right? It's yeah, ridiculous, sure. and. I enjoyed the hell out of it, right? Because of it, yeah. right? Like I, I mean, they start the they start the movie with a commercial for the, the perpetual for the, pets, the, 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 per, yeah. perpetual exactly. pets. Yeah, they, it it feels like where they you, you, the butt tells you what their yeah. emotion is or something. They're that's wanting to knock off. It. They're wanting yeah. to go into that that uh, place of some of that satirizing some of these sorts of things, and they're making fun of those Furbies and things like that. And you know, is it is it RoboCop level of satire? Maybe not, but there's still a little bit of that stuff here. And when you see Megan in her, you know, auto-tune voice singing Titanium as a, as a salve to help help this young girl, I mean, it's supposed to be ridiculous. And I absolutely, that's why it's so funny because yeah. it just, because it all feels so fake, but this young girl is, gets so attached to it. And it's, I don't know, I found it to be uh, fascinating because of all that. I'm making a very obvious James Wan connection, but I think it's a malignant that says we're malignant. Like yeah. oh, right off the bat. Yeah. This is malignant. So don't expect something crazy. This is yeah. malignant. When, uh, when I went into malignant and got to the end of it and was like, the hell was that? <laughs> and ended up hating the movie because yeah. I was so unready for it. I was like, what are we doing? This is trash. And I should probably go back because I know Steve, you and I went back and forth mm -hmm. about that yeah. quite a bit in a, in a really great conversation. This at least says kind of like RoboCop is a really great connection of just sort of like, hey, everybody, are you going to buy that for a dollar? Step yeah, right. into this slightly new, elevated or heightened reality. I do want to say one thing about jump scares in this movie at some point. So call on me whenever that's okay. appropriate. We, I, we will definitely do that. But first, because you brought up Malignant, we have to say that Akilah Cooper is the uh, writer behind both Malignant and this. And also... Makes sense. Uh, I, uh, I, Strange New Worlds, Star Trek Thank Strange you, New Worlds, uh, oh. producer on Strange New Worlds and, uh, producer on Luke Cage. And I really enjoy both of those things. And, uh, so I, I think it's just important to make that note, uh, because, and, and American sure. supervising, supervising producer on American Horror Story. That's, oh. that's kind of your jam oh, too, right? Yeah. Uh, so I, um, I, there's, there's, uh, a, a lot of parallels on that 
uh, I was using the word vibe. goofy before that this yeah. movie was goofier than it needed to be. And I appreciated it. Maybe heightened yeah, is yeah, the yeah. better use of that word. But before we talk specifically about jump scares, I want to talk about uh, uh, Gerard Johnstone. Uh, what do you know of Gerard Johnstone behind is he the director? Yep. Writer, director. I saw Housebound. Um, what'd you think of Housebound? I liked it. I liked yeah. it very much. It's and... a 6.7 on IMDb, so you're right to like it. Yeah. The populist agrees. I'm having trouble remembering which one that is. There was a big run on someone going back to their childhood home and dealing mm-hmm. with things getting creepy, and then it all being sort of a metaphor for childhood grief or trauma or hidden secrets. So I might not exactly remember exactly which one housebound was, but I'm pretty okay. sure I like it. All of this can be cut out. <laughs> well, no, I, think it's, I just think it's worth noting because you want to talk about how they handle things like the scares and the intensity and jump scares in this sure. movie. In particular, I found like I, I start comparing this to the more sort of uh, the darker horror stories. Like, you know, I always go to Relic because, you know, it's it, it, it just works for me. And it's one of my favorite movies. Right. And so Famously when you compare something. The Relic. No. Just no, Relic. The Relic is such a different, different no, movie. The Relic yeah. is a very different movie. Yeah. Uh, but Relic, it it has some real, like some straight up darkness and real intensity that is absent from this movie. And yet it's still a very small film about people learning lessons about themselves and growing older and parenting and being uh, a child sure. and all of those great things. But this movie has very little of that intensity because so much of the intensity is sort of wound in with comedy. I think we have a couple of moments like in the shed with the neighbor and, and she's like mimicking the dog's Mm -hmm. noises and kind of her head rises in the dark. That's kind of an intense moment. It doesn't last very long. And the actual kill is not very intense or, or threatening. Um, But, but much of that just is, is softer. So what, how do you think they handled the, the scares? One of the things that I thought that he did really, and he and whoever the uh, director of photography did, different than most jump scares that I've been uh, used to, is that the first one, the one that made me pee a little bit, um, is when the dog, the dog that's like lovable and then is going to rip your throat out. Uh, when the dog... <laughs> When he bring she brings Katie home and the dog hits the window mm-hmm. at the very first. That's the real other that I don't think that you can call the 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 car crash a jump scare. Um that when that happens, one of the things that I notice, and he does it three different times, is that they are looking at a non-traditional frame. Mm. Hmm. Usually it's a real like slow um Mickey Rooney, like a real slow zoom in with high violins and stuff, and you're waiting for it. But in this, I found myself like leaning forward, maybe physically, but definitely emotionally being like, wait, what am I supposed to be focusing on? Because it's just her out. It's her view POV outside of the window, but nothing is quite in focus. And there's the start of a tree and part of the house. And just when you're trying to make sort of sense of it, that's when the dog hits. I wonder if that's going to be like the new generation of jump scares. 
because I knew a jump scare was going to happen and it still made me jump out of my seat. And that's what you do when I'm like, even though I go into these movies like a raw nerve, I thought that was a really like brilliantly modeling, not modeling, um, way to do it. Like just Mm -hmm. sort of interesting way to do it of like, well, what, why would you ever frame it this way? That's why. Uh, how i came and he does it two to three times which i thought was really interesting of just not giving you a good view of something and then tearing it away from you i i was i was inspired i liked it i i thought uh i just i'm interested what you all think of the other of of some of the other scares for me it was not just the non-traditional framing which i thought was great they also do some really predictable reveal scares like she's working on the laptop and Mm -hmm. she closes the lid and my brain says of course she's going to be standing there and she was standing there and it still scared the crap out of me uh (laughs) they did the thing where she thought megan was in one place and it turns out megan's standing right next to her and she's holding a napkin or something like that like it was it's like those kinds of things happened several times i knew it was going to happen i felt like it was super telegraphed and it still scared me what is if i can just geek out again that is being taken back by juan and blumhouse that Mm -hmm. wes craven in the scream films started opening refrigerators uh, (laughs) refrigerators and then closing them and the music would go ah and no one was there. And no one's there. He right, was right. telling you, like, we know what you think is going to be there, and it's not. It's fascinating that that's maybe coming back mm-hmm. around. Yeah. Which turns is, out we can still scare people with those things. Yeah, everything yeah. in horror yeah. is always circular. And so that's yeah. really kind of fun. Sorry to geek out. Go ahead. And uh, you know, I just, I, I found it to be, uh, I found that if the scares to be effective, and I think the thing that works the best about this particular creepy doll um, is is the movements because just the way that it, it doesn't take much for a very slight head turn mm-hmm. or just a movement to kind of to tell you what was going on as far as like Megan's thinking, Megan's moving, whatever it is. But it still is unsettling, and I it's it's just the nature of a, a good horror movie when you have a something moving even if it's in frame and it's just such subtle movements, but it can, it can kind of set you on edge. And I, I found so many of those moments with Megan to work really well. And one of them was, I I think it was toward uh, the end when, um, when uh, Gemma's two assistants were working on Megan, who was on the rack. Oh, the unwatching scene. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just watching, watching them, him going through the process of unhooking and then it's like, why are you going around to the front now? Like all of these questions that are in your head, but it's a horror movie. And it's, but it's just right. those little things mm-hmm. that they were just playing with really well and made it very effective. So, uh, yeah, I, I was really impressed with the way that, um, that he made them all work really nicely. Yeah. She looks amazing in the physicality and the mix of robotics and then a real person clearly mm-hmm. at certain scenes and stuff was pretty outstanding. So um, Amy Donald played the played Megan and uh, the body of Megan. And uh, they, they had an animatronic doll that did a lot of the close ups and things. They had um, a, a number of different animatronic dolls that did different things. And then Amy Donald played the human when they needed a, uh, Megan to walk around. 
mm-hmm. and uh, wore a, a mask that is made even creepier when it's actually on a human walking around. <laughs> it looks mm. like that's a movie that would scare the pants off of you. And then uh, Jenna Davis played the voice of Megan. So it was a composite of a number of people. Wow. And, uh, and the I young think girl I who played think... Megan is a gymnast and a black belt. Yeah. So she she had I believe a lot of control with her movements. Yeah. To do some great stuff national like award-winning dancer uh, in uh, fantastic i thought it was a fantastic performance i think they actually yeah. created uh, a heck of a doll and uh, costume design goes to daniel cruden uh this movie already inspired halloween costumes in october before the movie was out and i i, I don't you know who knows if it's gonna if it's gonna stick through next october if we're gonna have a, a raft of of megan uh, knowing costume. knowing the sexy, teens sexy who are going to be knowing the teens who are going to be watching this, I I, I wouldn't be surprised if there yeah. are making costumes out there that people are going <laughs> to. I one hundred percent many times was like, this goddamn doll dresses better <laughs> than I've ever dressed <laughs> in my entire life, and has more. She's a robot and has more confidence. <laughs> In her fashion sense, where I continually am like, the gap. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, uh, I feel like it was, I'm, I, I, I almost want to apologize for making JJ go see this movie, but I think it was still good for you. And I love that you were having the conversation. Let's wrap it up. Final thoughts on, uh, Megan, as we uh, get toward our famous letterboxed star rating. Andy, you go first. Uh, you know, it's, it's a really fun film. I, I had a blast with it. I thought they it did exactly what they set it out to do as far as making something that was going to be a PG-13 uh, you know, sci-fi thriller with uh, some scares and laughs. And they created an iconic character right out of the gate with Megan. And, um, you know, I was here for it. I had a wonderful time with this. And uh, I'd be happy to watch it again. JJ? I'm a, oh, wait, you don't want me to give you a rating? You just want me to give comments? No, we're not going to do the ratings yet. Hold okay. on, I got I was just about to give you a number. I'm so psyched about numbers. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I just think it, it's ridiculous. It's a really funny movie. Um, it was really fun, but it wasn't, there wasn't value to me to seeing it. So if you, if you want to see a movie for that reason, if you're just looking to go out and have some okay scares and that stuff, I think, I think you're right, Andy, about it being an iconic character. I think it will be like that. But for the reason I compared Megan to Chucky is like, this is like the 2023 version of that character for me. It's going to be iconic in that way. Everybody's going to know it and all that stuff. It's just not, yeah, it's, it's not for me. It was funny. I laughed, but it's not the right movie for me. Steve, was it for you? Oh, I, I had a great time with this. This was so much fun. It gave me everything that I wanted. Like I said, the touches of nostalgia. I can't wait to check in with Andy 10 years from now and see how his daughter has deconstructed her experience of watching this <laughs> as she's grown up and what she takes away from it. And I think it's, it was the smartest choice to make this PG 13 because it is such an accessible movie because it's not too much of any one thing so that it's, I hate to say it, but yeah, it's like a family movie. You could sit down, watch with, you know, I don't know, 11, 12 years and up and just have a really good time. Having, you know, having some laughs, getting some scares, and then maybe some conversations about screen time. So, yeah, it's, it's so much fun. <laughs> and vegetables. Oh, and sociopaths. Yeah. And my yeah. first Rape, Rape Jason by James Wan. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Tom? Uh, I think it's an elevated cheeseburger. 
uh, certain <laughs> horror movies exist to just satisfy a kind of need. This is smarter. It's goofier than it needs to be, which I appreciate. Smarter than it needs to be. And at times, deviously funnier than it needs to be. Brian Blake, who's on our chat boards, brought up the detectives. And that one detective, I, I can't remember his exact <laughs> phrase, but he's like, yes, I shouldn't, I laugh. shouldn't have laughed about that. <laughs> it was a perfectly written and perfectly acted joke, which is just a throwaway in a movie yeah, yeah. like this. But the yeah. fact that that joke could exist in this movie means a lot. That's mm -hmm. it's tiptoeing around a lot of different tones. And I thought it did it really well. So for an <laughs> elevated cheeseburger, I thought it was great. I really had a lot of fun with it. My favorite was the, was the the lady at the camp when she sees Megan in the car? <laughs> Jesus Christ! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There, there were so some good. really perfect joke drops in here. Yeah. I think you're yeah. right. I think they yeah. just were really, really solid. So I, you know, I'm with you. I've now seen it twice. I took my my son when we when I got back to Portland, and he fell in love with it. He thought it was fantastic. It was everything, oh, and, and he said the same thing. He actually had an interesting observation. He said, "I've talked to." a lot of people at school about this movie. I've said, have you seen Megan? It's really great. And they'd say, no, 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 it's too scary. And he said, but wait, have you mm. seen Megan? No, I haven't seen it, but it's too scary. I think that's an interesting thing uh. that the, a lot of the teens that at least in his social yeah. group are saying, yeah, I'm not going to see it. It's too scary when it's not too scary. Right. I mean, it's, it's right. It's not, well, not a, a big deal, but, but also day. we're, we're a bunch of, you know, <laughs> Yeah, uh, middle-aged yeah. men who have seen a lot more films, and and like a, you know, my daughter's friend who went, it would terrified her. Like she watched almost the whole movie from behind a blanket. So I think I think she said really? she said twenty five percent. She saw yeah, she but saw twenty five percent. Andy, that like we walked out of the theater and we're calling her Megan. So um, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I think we might have done some damage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, well, hey, this has been great. If you want to be like. Brian, who's in our live chat uh, room, and we so appreciate that. You can join our live streams for these uh, very shows. Just head over to uh, thenextreel.com slash membership, become a member. For a few bucks a month, you get access to super secret Discord communities. You get expanded list of channels, and you get to join us for these live streams, or you can chat along, and we really appreciate it. We love the the uh, interaction, and we're really happy. I'm not going to speak for you guys. Uh, you can speak for yourselves. I am thrilled to be doing the film board with you guys again, Hooray! and I have really miss talking about brand new movies with yes. uh, people. This is uh, just, it's been a huge hole in my life and in my heart over the last several years with the pandemic. And we tried to, uh, we, we tried to keep it going and, and just the choices were limited and it was just hard to get out to theaters. And now we're, we're doing it and I'm just couldn't be happier. So, uh, uh next slash membership to learn about the benefits and, and join us there. Now, Letterboxd, if you've listened to any show that we've talked about, you know we're huge fans of Letterboxd. Letterboxd is the greatest social network for movie lovers. Uh, and we love it so much that we are our patrons. I don't even know. We're an HQ. We're an HQ. That means something we really good. HQ. But if you we're an HQ. If you Oof. fall in love with it at Letterboxd, if you go over there and you think, hey, I want a place to catalog my reviews, I want a place to to have my film diary of the movies that I've watched, all you need to do is become a pro or patron yourself. You can use the code NEXTREEL at checkout. It'll remove ads. It will uh, allow you to uh, support the fantastic Kiwi team that is building this thing uh, in Auckland. They're in Auckland, right, Andy? They're in Auckland. You were there. 
there in Auckland. Uh, we love Letterboxd. So uh, use the code NEXTREEL at checkout. It will also save you 20%. Okay, you guys, where do you put your rating? JJ, you're the, I think, most excited to get your number on the board. Where do you put your rating? Five stars. Half stars count for everybody but me. And I have to know if it's, <laughs> if you give it a heart as well. JJ. I give it a two and not a heart. Um, the movie that I compare it to most with the horror comedy that we've done in the past is the Happy Death Day movies. Happy Death Day to you. Oh, yeah. um, I love Excellent. those movies. Yeah. So it's not just the genre. There's other things yeah, to no. it too for me. Um, and uh, it's just it's just not right for me. The it, it, I found it ridiculous and I got frustrated by the stuff that I wanted to see the movie about and wasn't able to just kind of enjoy the the fun stuff. So I give it a two. Given that review, I yeah, given that review, I think it's gener- it's a generous two from you. I like yeah. and, and I think the Happy Death Day comparison yeah. is spot on because I love that movie too and it's a very different breed. Right. I think. Yep. All right. Cool. Uh, Steve, where do you go? I give it a big heart and four stars. I had so much fun, and this is one that I will, like, like Happy Death Day, I'll watch it a couple more times, and I may even explore into an unrated version to see what, what's there if that, if that comes out. <gasps> yes. You scoundrel! Oh. <laughs> Brandon in a swimsuit. As I live and breathe. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, Andy. I, I I will um, match Steve uh, point for point four stars and a heart. So much fun, and uh, it's going to be an easy one to revisit. Tommy, I'm going to join Champion Brian Blake and say three point five out of five and a heart. I loved what it did for what it was. Uh, what just brought it down half a point was because JJ brought up Happy Death Day. <laughs> And Happy Death Day <laughs> is an infinitely better, not infinitely, but such a stronger overall story than this and has more to say and has more interesting things. And so that sort of brings it down for me as a real last minute bummer. But either way, I love, I think this film deserves success. And I'm so excited. Again, this is the first big melding of Juan and Blumhouse. Yeah. And this is going to be the next, if we can have this horror juggernaut and a 24 for the yeah. rest of my life, I will be a very, very happy person. So I'm all in. here, here real ratings relativist right now, Tom. I, I, this is, uh, I don't what know, I don't know how, how much I love you thinking, Oh, but I liked apocalypse now a lot. So this movie is two stars now. <laughs> oh, um, I see. I- <laughs> Yeah, I absolutely am a four star and a and a heart with this. I I felt like it it just answered a lot of of the more of the comedy questions than the horror questions that I went in with. Like I yeah. just found I, I got more joy out of the uh, superficialness of, of of the film in in and I really like Megan as a character. Uh, and I saw on Reddit that apparently the sequel is well. I don't know. Do you want to guess what Wait, the sequel is? They are is, doing a sequel for for yeah, sure. There is apparently there that well. Juan has said, I definitely have ideas for where the sequel will go. The movie is doing fine. It's doing well enough to grant a sequel. I have no doubt that there will be a sequel. And apparently Reddit, you know, Reddit uh, has it on good authority uh, of what the working title is for the next movie. Uh, Do you have any idea what it is? Mm, (laughs) Forgan. It is Mm, Forgan. 
Oh, really? <laughs> that's exactly the that's exactly the bit. I don't know how serious it is, but I think it would be a very confusing sequel title, and I am here for it. Wait, you're uh, you're awesome. all serious. There's it's so it's, it was the Model G-A-N. Three generation Android. So it just be Model Android. Four. So it'd be Model Android. Four generative Android. I would yeah. be yeah. more interested. So, Less interested in another big doll, Teddy Ruxpin, coming and killing people, and more of seeing a Siri uh, controlling the house. There's so many <laughs> movies. It's already been done. Yeah. So many yeah. movies, but like a house being controlled by a robot presence. Well, and we saw that. Tom oh, we, JJ, saw that. we saw that. We saw that in that, Oregon We saw Screams. that exact movie That's at right. Oregon Screams Film Festival. And oh, and it, it was, was a real pass. It was fine. <laughs> I mean, it was Until great. Until then, it suddenly wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, I think we all looked at it and said, that was a great idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a great idea. <laughs> and then it kept going for 20 more minutes. <laughs> exactly I like I like Brian's suggestion for the sequel better. Meg what? Foran. Oh, it actually makes, makes more sense. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It, it won't work for the acronym, but it makes more sense for the word itself. What yeah. did I say? You said M4 Forgan instead of Meg Foran. Meg Foran. A four looks yeah. like an A, a three <laughs> looks like an E. But, you know, no, yeah. that's exactly right. Yeah. Good punch so, up. Anyhow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's it. Uh, you can find out all our reviews at letterbox.com slash uh, the next reel. And uh, <laughs> so there you go. Hey, you guys, this was super, super fun. Uh, I Do we have anything to do? Do you guys have anything to plug right now? I think this was it. I've been on other shows with you and you've all been plugging this. And so I think now we're here. Uh, JJ and I just recently, uh, as of uh, yesterday, started our Monday night chats where I walk uh, I walk my dog and uh, JJ and I chat for about an hour just to catch up. And it's a wonderful way to stay connected as friends that live in different states. It really is. And it's available Steve. on coming soon to Netflix. Steve, do you want to teach Tom what a plug is? My deal. My deal with Netflix is in negotiations right now. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. Tommy's recording that stuff or he's, his yeah. phone's yeah. hacked and it's just out there on the internet. Just search, all the search Tommy's right. Monday Night Walks all and it'll AI. show up out there somewhere. <laughs> My apologies. New plug: the Bloomin' Onion. Give it another try. I I want to plug for Andy uh, that Andy has done an exceptional job uh, running. Marvel Movie Minute, the oh Captain America First Avenger imagine. season. It has been extraordinary and an incredibly heavy load. And we are recording and releasing this episode right as this is the last week, right, of that show um, for the public feed. Am I lying about that yet? No, that's correct. And then the yeah. Avengers starts in about a month, maybe a little less. So <laughs> I've been that one at one point. You're at, you are. You are. Yes. Spoiler Captain alert. Hansel. That's exciting. Yep. <laughs> uh, it, it has been just a, a joy going through these movies, even if I think I like them more than Andy does. Uh, I'm I'm there. <laughs> I'm totally present to talk about typefaces and uh, fabrics <laughs> without any real background in fabric. So uh, just a, a big thanks, Andy, for all of your work on that. It's been a, been a great ride. Do you have anything That's else right. you want to Avengers Marvel Movie Minute. Tune in for yep. fabric conversations and typeface talk. Uneducated fabric conversations. <laughs> Slightly more educated typefaces. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. Thank you, everybody, for hanging out. Uh, we Don't forget, join that community. You can jump into the general community at thenextreel.com slash discord. We would love to have you there. And if you're not already a member, consider supporting the show, thenextreel.com slash membership. And uh, that's, that's all I got. On behalf of Tommy Handsome, Woo! 
Steve Tormento, Justin Yeager, Andy Nelson. I'm Pete Wright. We'll catch you right here next month when we're taking on Steven Soderbergh's last film, Wink, Magic Mike's Last Dance. (laughs) Good night, everybody. Here on the film board, we have covered quite a variety of great page-to-screen adaptations over the years, from superheroes like Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight Rises, based on stories like Nightfall and The Dark Knight Returns, to horror and sci-fi like Max Brooks's World War Z and Hiroshi Sakazuraka's All You Need Is Kill, which became one of our favorites, Edge of Tomorrow, with Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. And who could forget Andy Weir's stranded astronaut adventure, The Martian, or Dave Eggers' tech thriller, The Circle? Supposedly so much better than the movie. We've also explored Stephen King epics like The Dark Tower and It, biopics like Damien Chazelle's First Man. And sweeping sagas like Denis Villeneuve's take on Frank Herbert's Dune. And don't forget Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon, based on David Grant's nonfiction book about the 1920s murders of the Osage Nation. I just finished the book, and it's fantastic. It's always fascinating to look at the source material, and we often do as the book lovers we are. For those of you out there who love to do the same, head to thenextreel.com slash originals to find all of our past episodes and dive deeper into these adapted stories. And it's not just stories. We've included things like the video games Uncharted and Detective Pikachu. That's right. Thenextreel.com slash originals is your one-stop shop for in-depth looks at the sources for cinematic adaptations that we have discussed. Every purchase you make supports the film board and the Next Reel's family of shows. So what are you waiting for? Head to thenextreel.com slash originals and get your next read today. (laughs) 